voting for Dukakis. Hmm. Well, maybe when you have children of your own who need braces, you can't afford them because half of your husband's paycheck goes to the federal government. You'll uh, regret that. My husband's you. paycheck? <laughs> oh. oh. Anyway, I'm not going to squeeze one out until I'm like 30. Will you still be working at the yarn barn? Because I hear that's a really great place to raise children. That's really funny. No, I think a year of partying's enough. She'll be going to Harvard next fall. Mom, I haven't even gotten in yet. Do you honestly think Michael Dukakis will provide for this country till you're ready to squeeze one out? Yeah, I do. Hmm. When can I squeeze one out? Not until eighth grade. Excuse me. Donnie, you're such a dick. <laughs> Whoa, Elizabeth. A little hostile there. Maybe you should be the one in therapy, then mom and dad can pay someone $200 an hour to listen to all your thoughts, so we don't have to. Okay. You want to tell mom and dad why you stopped taking your medication? You're such a fuck-ass. What? <laughs> Please. Did you just call me a fuck-ass? Elizabeth, that's enough. You can go suck a fuck. Oh, please tell me, Elizabeth. How exactly does one suck a fuck? <laughs> you want me to tell you? Please tell me. We will not have this <laughs> at the dinner table. Stop. <laughs> hey guys, quick rush. <laughs> oh, motherfucker. <laughs> Hold on, I just I I can't I feel like I came into that too hot. It's okay. Uh, right again. Hey guys, quick correction on this episode. We mistakenly attributed the role of Chloe to Heather Graham. Um we were both incredibly confident in that assessment. So we were just trying to decide whether this actress was Heather Graham or Anna Ferris. It turns out it's um neither of them. Um, Chloe was instead played by a character actress. Oh, I don't want to call her a character actress. <laughs> well, she seems like a nice well, you person. Did, so. Sorry, Marley Shelton, for not remembering your name and for also for calling you a character actress. Uh, we apologize. Thank you for your understanding. Hi. Hello. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. The podcast about two best friends putting the ass in, in podcast. Don't like her tagline? Well, fuck you. <laughs> Send us ideas and we'll read them on air and uh, talk about you. Oh, we'll talk some shit about you because, <laughs> like, we probably know you. <laughs> anyway, so how are, you, how are you doing today? How are you feeling? I'm doing all right. Um, you know, rewatched these babies. These babies that we're going to discuss yeah. today. Uh, can you tell in our voices that we are so excited to be finally done talking about Rat Race? <laughs> we have we tried Rat Race so many times, so many times. Oh my ways. God. This is going to be a little bit more of a straightforward podcast. Oh God. It's only, a, it's, a, it's a two characters played by the same person. And it's so much simpler and we have so much more material on it. And we also would like to note before we get into anything that we're mm -hmm. going to assume that you've seen at the very least Donnie Darko. Because yeah. we are not going to talk about like the plots of either. We're not going to outline the plot. No. Um, if you've seen Bubble Boy too, that's great. But Bubble Boy, I'm, you don't. You don't need to know as much. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot more like explanation that Donnie Darko requires but we're not going to do that um <laughs> we're just going to hope you see so like we're going to assume that you came to this podcast having had is what i'm going to say yes. you know like so just disclaimer spoilers um, alerts many spoiler alerts um but yeah so we're going to be talking about bubble boy and donnie darko uh specifically the as of the episode title denotes the duality of Jake Gyllenhaal in, uh, I guess, like, what are two of his, what I thought were his breakout roles, but apparently weren't. Uh, but pretty much, like, you know, a lot of millennials' first introduction to Jake Gyllenhaal is either, like, one of these movies. Would you agree? Um, I feel like my introduction was actually October Sky. I completely um, forgot about October Sky. <laughs> and that was only because they showed they showed that movie in every science class right. and every school assembly. And if you haven't seen October Sky, uh, too late. Sorry, Mr. Chance. And also this episode <laughs> isn't about that. Um, so what inspired us to devote an entire probably what's going to be like an hour on this? So I think we were just talking about how we still feel like we're in 2001. Like mm -hmm. we, we have been in this 2001 mode and we just want to kind of continue our love letter to that. And so we started picking movies that we felt 
resonated with us in our youth. Right. And um, we came into just thinking about Jake Gyllenhaal as he was kind of like the everyone's crush. I would I would say he was. Era, yeah, he right? was like America's boyfriend. Yes. Uh, or turning into America's boyfriend alongside um, fellow America's boyfriend, Ryan Gosling, I feel like is also of this of this generation. But like we got some notes on hot boys. I think uh, we were talking on the phone about this yesterday about how like, you know, it is fully 20 years after the fact. And I think like we can actually start to objectively break down what the fuck we were watching. Um, because both of these movies are just batshit insane, but in completely different directions. Yeah, we have the same leading leading man in mm -hmm. both movies, but one is a really offensive comedy as of as were most oh, yeah. comedies of this era and then another one is like a pseudo intellectual <laughs> indie movie re-watching Donnie Darko it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be you thought it was gonna be bad I well I was concerned that it wasn't gonna like hold, hold up oh, okay. in the same way I don't feel the same love for it that mm -hmm. I did when I was 16 years old but I definitely didn't hate it and I and oh yeah no know. this is a full-on like I still love this movie unironically um it's my favorite Halloween movie I guess it could be considered a Halloween it movie. Technically, is a Hall I guess like well, we never see Halloween because the movie ends before then. But like, it's a movie it's about a Halloween a, party. It's a Halloween it's party <laughs> with cool music. Ooh, it's a soundtrack movie. That's what we this need to remember. This movie actually did probably shape a lot of the music that I like mm -hmm. still listen to to this day. You know, mm -hmm. we have just a lot of eighties eighties bops. It's a lot of like eight like new wave. Yeah. Like very specific, like Echo and the Bunnymen is the opening, apparently. Joy Division, I think, yeah. is playing yes. party, yes. during party scene. And, okay, meanwhile, Bubble Boy takes a completely different direction apropos of its soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, you get um, a lot of 90s and early 2000s, like really popular songs. Mm -hmm. You get Blink-182, Offspring. Um, so definitely... <laughs> Songs that are absolutely nothing like what you get in Donnie Darko. No, like Donnie Darko is very much like what you want your music taste to be at that time as a teenager. And, and Bubble Boy is like, this is what your music taste is like now because you're listening to K-Rock. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of radio <laughs> rock. Um, <laughs> another thing, though, that I just, I will always remember this scene. Mm -hmm. There is... A, very problematic moment in mm. um, Bubble Boy. Well, a lot of Bubble Boy is problematic. Yeah. But um, but where Jimmy uh, meets the freaks. Oh. And there's yes. like a big scene with um with the freaks like getting into a fight with a cult. Yes. And um, that scene is set to the song uh, Come Out and Play by The Offspring. So Which I don't know why. I guess it's just because it's like it has a, like a high beats per minute. It's like it, The Offspring always kind of makes you want to fight. I guess that's what <laughs> yes. I think. I don't know. So yeah. So while Donnie Darko gives you like, I mean, while the movie is a little, is very depressing, mm -hmm. the music kind of fits that. I would say that. Um, sad boy tunes. Yeah. that it Not sound sad boy tunes and Bubble Boy. Bubble. No, these are happy boy tunes. <laughs> these are very happy, happy boys. Happy, fighty boy tunes. Uh, so we wanted to approach this as like, this just sounds so fucking pretentious and stupid. We want to approach this as like a character study on just like the young male protagonist at this time. Because, you know, this is a time when we were both feeling puberty. And, uh, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal is just ascending to fame at this time. He uh, Apparently after this, he does a lot of stage plays, which I love. And um, yeah, with that in mind, who is Jake Gyllenhaal in 2000 to, to us? To me, he was just <clears throat> this, this cute boy. Like, I, <laughs> I didn't really know much about him. I think I, I mean, as every preteen and teenager, I think, you know, the celebrities we liked were we ranked them based on how mm -hmm. attracted we were to them. Mm -hmm. So for me, he was just like a really cute guy. And I just was really drawn to both his characters in Donnie Darko and Bubble Boy. Mm. I have a very vivid memory of walking into a movie theater and seeing a cutout of Jake Gyllenhaal in like his Bubble Boy suit. I thought you were going to say Donnie Darko. And I was like, why would they have a cardboard cut out of that? <laughs> I, so, um, 
So anyway, he was in like the full bubble with yeah. like his hands outstretched and the hair too. Like he was the <laughs> static of his hair. He's in a bubble the whole time. So not sexy, but okay. And I just remember being like, this is the kind of man I need in my life. So I can't really <laughs> explain my feelings. I can just tell you what they were. It's so weird because like I was not cognizant of him until I was like fully 15 years old. Because I didn't see either of these movies until like well into the time we were in high school. Which was very weird, and I don't know why, but, like, no, I remember I saw Donnie Darko in, like, the basement of a much cooler friend's house, which is, of course, where you see Donnie Darko for the yeah, first you time. Yeah, you hear about it from, from the much cooler, cooler kids. Friend, yes. Yeah, you hear about it from the cooler kids, and, of course, that's how I saw it. Uh, and then Bubble Boy, I think, was just on Comedy Central <laughs> by that point. Um, yeah, I didn't have any deeper understanding of it. And I think, like, at this time, I was just very tortured sexually, so I probably would I probably would have averted my eyes if I ever saw, like, a depiction of Jake Gyllenhaal at the age of 11. Because I think, like, that was around the time that I was, like, not fully a gay, but, like, oh, I don't like boys as much as the other girls. I better not interrogate this. And then after putting that off for several years, um, guess that didn't work out. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> So just some macro details, again, just to remind you, uh, Bubble Boy, directed by Blair Hayes, written by Cinco Paul and Ken Dario. Do you know what they also did? No. They all they did a shit ton of, like, Grinch movies in the mid-2000s. And then they also did Bubble Boy. Okay. Yeah, so. I totally see why those two things are related. I, I could actually, too. <laughs> Honestly, I thought, I know you're saying that to be a shit, but, like... <laughs> I actually can, because it's fucking Cinco Paul and Ken Dario. Apparently, they also tried to make... They made a musical of Bubble Boy, too. Like, they they did the musical. What happened to it? I don't fucking care. Anyway, <laughs> so, released August 24th, 2001. Got it. Great. <laughs> but this uh, is, so, you know... Same week as Rat Race. Same, yeah. <laughs> so, that's cool. That if you were, like, looking at um, what's playing in your local theater... At, at this week in 2001. In yeah. Or on Fandango. Well, I guess that's what people were using back then. Did Fandango exist then? I think so. Oh, okay. Maybe not. I don't know. Who cares? But anyway, this is these are two movies that you could possibly see in the same weekend. My mind, <laughs> I just had like a conniption just thinking about that. I want to ask my brother, because he was actually a teenager when this was happening. Mm -hmm. Shout out, Tim, if you're listening to this. Uh, did you have any idea that this was playing this week answer yes or no text me anyway <laughs> donnie darko written and directed by richard kelly who i think like would have been in his early 20s at the time which is insane to me yeah they were all babies when they were oh babies. yeah this was his first first movie i think i think so yeah like his first like like studio production right. uh released uh it was released at Sundance uh, in January of 2001, but then theatrically released uh, October 26th, 2000. Again, the very interesting date uh, for releasing a movie about plane crashes. Well, I know that they had a really hard time getting um, like someone to pick yes, up yeah. Donnie Darko, but I think it was picked up by New Market, who, which is the same company that picked up uh, Memento. Oh, okay. Yeah, so Christopher Nolan actually had like kind of a say in whether or not Donnie Darko got picked up. He like convinced the studio, which is kind of a fun fact. That's a wild thing to have to convince. I mean, obviously, yeah, because like try to explain this to the suits at corporate, yeah. and it's like, it's a movie. Um about plane crashes and time travel and Noah Wiley's in it. Again, one of the reasons why this movie didn't take off, no pun intended, <laughs> is because, you know, it the theatrical release was after September 11th, they, so I'm I sure I think they also no had to change a bunch of things, too, about, yeah. like, they had to edit out um, the original... If you look at the original, like, poster artwork, it's written in, like, an Arabic font Got for it. some reason, and obviously we couldn't do that in October of 2001. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, so in in essence, both of these movies were casual. I'm not going to say casualties of 9-11. That's very offensive. <laughs> they were uh, um, they were not well received, both of they them. They were not welcome. They were not welcome for various reasons. Um, yeah, so again, just to reiterate, we're going to have a lot of spoilers. If you haven't seen these, I recommend you go see them first before listening to this podcast. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the Gyllenhaal family. <laughs> So the Gyllenhaal family are actually Swedish nobility dating back to the 1600s. And I had a whole section on it with a family tree, but reminded myself that that's not very interesting. It was interesting to you. Though. It was interesting to me because I actually love genealogy. But anyway, so uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is the child of Stephen Gyllenhaal. And is it Naomi Foner or Foner? 
I thought I was phoner, but that probably isn't right. Phoner. <laughs> Jill, Naomi Phoner Jill. Sounds so elegant. <laughs> um, they are apparently, yeah, they're very like accomplished like film and media people on their in their own right. Uh, Stephen Hall is a director. I think Naomi has is has also directed, but I think she's also written I a think lot. She's mostly a writer. Yeah, so they're they're very like a very creative family, like Obviously, as you know, his sister is also Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, the reason why she was on Donnie Darko is because, like, Jake Gyllenhaal asked. That's cute. Aww. But he was saying in an interview that I guess a lot of their um, tension in the movie could possibly be considered very real. Oh, it feels very because, real. Because, you know, he said, how would you feel if, like, your annoying little brother is a lead in a movie and you have to play, like, supporting? Is... Oh, that's right. I forget. <laughs> I forget. He's younger than her, isn't he? Yeah, he's younger. I think he got heavily into acting, I guess, technically before she did. I like to think of them, and before we get into his childhood roles, I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal is the Beyonce and she's Solange. There are def- definitely people that favor Solange to Beyonce. That's what I I'm saying. Know, but I don't I don't know of a single person that favors Maggie to I, Jake. I, f- I favor Maggie Gyllenhaal to okay, Jake Gyllenhaal so in terms of acting. Person. I like looking at Jake Gyllenhaal. Y'all ever seen Maggie and Secretary? I was just going to say <laughs> Secretary. Yeah, so- the original Fifty Shades of Grey. Mmm, <laughs> hot take. <laughs> wow. Wowie, wow, wow. I... I oh. uh, anyway, so Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, raised in New York, um, has like a very creative upbringing, but apparently his parents had a lot of say in, in uh, movies that he was going to be in versus movies he wasn't, which is why we know him more as an adult actor than a child actor, thankfully. I guess he was supposed to be Mighty Ducks, but his parents said no, which I love. They wanted to emphasize school more than um, acting at the time. Which, so fair, I guess. Very whatever. fair, but it is kind of fun. Like, both your parents are involved yeah. in that industry. I feel like there was never really a risk of him not making it. Oh, no, no. <laughs> and, like, also, like, yeah, they're not, like, they're not, like, celebrities like media people either like they're very like res- like from what I've been reading I was like oh they're like actually like pretty respected and like working yeah. professionals of course you would make it of course both of them would make it right uh so other movies Jake was in as a child a dangerous woman uh both he and, again he and Maggie Gyllenhaal were both and this was directed by their dad and I think also like their mom too it was a whole yeah. family production yeah. I like that I don't know what an, what Homegrown is, but it was a 1998 comedy. Okay, yeah. Um, I've never heard of it. I didn't read it more than that. And he apparently um, played Billy Crystal's son in City Slickers. I don't remember ever seeing I, City Slickers. I saw City Slickers once <clears throat> when I was a child, so I can't offer much on that either. But yeah, so I guess his breakout performance would be... October Sky. October Sky, which we briefly touched on earlier, but... It's a story about a NASA engineer... That's all it you need. It was based to on a true story. Laura Dern's in it. That's yeah. what I pulled out. Yeah. Um, I didn't care otherwise. And it was really what got his big break. I know I'm blanking out Chris, who played his dad. It was somebody, oh. some big actor. Someone tell us, comment, like, put it in well, the comments. I'm going to look it up. Right okay. Now. I want them to put it in the comments too. Put it in the comments. <laughs> I'm currently looking it up. Yell movie trivia at us in the comments, please. I love when podcasts do live Wikipediaing. It's my favorite thing. Uh, Chris Cooper. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Chris Cooper played his dad. Yeah, I remember this all like October Sky also being like a big budget, like successful production. Um, yeah, so he actually, Jake Gyllenhaal does credit Chris Cooper with um, like one of the reasons why he was able to take acting seriously and one of the experiences he had where he just learned so much on set. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that's cool that he actually can give credit where credit is due. I like that. No, and that's like, I feel like everything I've ever um, either heard or seen of his like his interviews uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. He seems likable. He seems likable. He seems like an okay person. Please don't be a cannibal or a rapist, Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I don't think I can handle that this week. Um, this week. Uh, but yeah, so before we get into the meat of both of these movies, we want to talk about the characters that he's playing around this time, which specifically appeal to us, i.e. the young male protagonist. And it's, you know, we're coming off of the 90s and there were a lot of just like willowy youths on screen mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, similar to our rat race discussion, a style or a character that kind of goes away in the 2000s as we just get like Hollywood hunks. And then we're only starting to get that back, like in the vein of like Timothee Chalamet, I feel like, who's yeah. very Leonardo DiCaprio in 
whatever it is he does. And um, we we do start getting back into, or I should say leaving that mm. era when you get into like the talented Mr. Ripley. Yes. Um, they are still have that willowy look to them, mm. but they do enter more into what I would say like the 2000s quote unquote hunk yeah. is. And then I think that's where we get like this very interesting inflection point with Jake Gyllenhaal where he's like, he's kind of neither. He's not, I don't really think of him as like willowy. No. He looks like he's like sensitive, like a sensitive teen. But Yeah, but then after he leaves this era, he just looks like like a hottie. He does Marvel movies now, so like this makes sense. <laughs> Um, but yeah, this era, he does kind of seem like, he seems like that guy that sits in the back of the classroom. Mm. He's very quiet, mm -hmm. kind of like, I mean, not that he sits in the back of the classroom in Donnie Darko, but, but he seems to be like that intelligent guy that just like has a lot of thoughts. Yes. Opinions. Yeah. And there's like an interiority that is definitely in Donnie Darko. Definitely. You know, he inhabits this really, really kind of like dark interior world, no pun intended. And then in Bubble Boy, there's no interiority to his character. He's just kind of like this naive child, almost. Like, yeah. like he oh, has yeah. to be, like, even in his relationship in um, Bubble Boy, it seems like he's the one that needs to be taken care of. Yes. And at 11 years old, I was like, this is the man. Yeah, you you want that. I don't want that anymore. You don't want that anymore <laughs> because it's exhausting to care for people. Um, I think around this time... I'm probably in love with like a headless figure of an underwear model in the underwear aisle of TJ Maxx. I don't think I felt comfortable enough liking physically another man who existed with like a, a face attached. Got it. That's going to make me sound insane. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I like, hey, if you're gay and millennial, like say something in the comments to that effect. <laughs> sound Am I, off in the comments. Sound off in the comments. Am I right? self-loathing i think this was kind of the beginning of like the weird indie boy yes like when we were in high school even late middle school early high school that was really the the new dawn yeah. of a different kind of leading man I yeah think, or leading teen i i think yeah I, that is i think i really agree with that and it's like the more you look at donnie darko and to a certain extent uh his character jimmy and bubble boy there's almost like an unproblematic Connor Oberst energy. Yes. In it, in that, like, he's about to start singing. I want him to start singing to me. Yes. Yes. Serenade me, please. He kind of serenades us in Bubble Boy, so let's get into that. <laughs> so, we're, uh, again, we're not going to dive too deep into these plots because to explain them would be their own podcast genre, and we're not about to do that. Oh, but before we dive into that, mm -hmm. I do I do have one more note. Yes. I have a memory of having Jake Gyllenhaal in Donnie Darko as my desktop screensaver in high school. Oh. That <laughs> was your, just something that popped up. On your personal mind. computer? Yeah, at home. Okay, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, not in school. <laughs> I was at that crazy girl. But there's like a photo. I mean, this is a screen, like a uh -huh. shot from the film. But there was a very specific photo of him at the Halloween party in the mm. end in his skeleton t-shirt and gray hoodie oh his m83 cosplay yes yeah. yeah yeah um yeah so first of all bubble boy it's actually based on the 1976 film the boy in the plastic bubble which is also based on the real life story of david better a 12 year old boy who actually like was born severely immunocompromised and had to live in a bubble um the Vetter family did not like either of these movies <laughs> because they find them they found them both deeply like flippant and offensive. Uh, I never saw the boy in the I know that the boy in the plastic bubble is like a famous like work. Doctor Volta is in it. Yeah, um, I never saw it either. It's not a comedy, but like either way, I just I I love the fact that like two major movies made about this young boy who like sat like uh, tragically died at the age of twelve. Um, I didn't know this until like yesterday, but yeah, so he's the titular boy in the plastic bubble. Um, yeah, it's not hard to see why his family wouldn't like, like either. Wouldn't, especially wouldn't like Bubble Boy. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the plot itself is like a callback to our Rat Race episode. Is like a classic 2001 comedy. He falls in love with his next door neighbor after having been raised his entire life by religious zealots, you know, who keep him in a plastic bubble and tell him he's immunocompromised. Uh, she's a hot neighbor girl. Again, like in the early 2000s, she's like the all-American girl. Yeah, she's blonde, blonde yeah. skinny. I love this, and we can never repeat this off air, but his mother, played by the iconic Susie Kurtz, calls her the whore next door. 
Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and then so because they can't fuck because uh, Jimmy played by Do- um, played by Donnie Darko played by Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> we might do that old podcast. So oh my god! Well, okay, it's just confusing because both are. It's like Donnie and Jimmy and Jake and uh, who's it? Susie Curtis. <laughs> I don't know why I was like turning into just like characters. You were getting very like verklempt. I was because all their <laughs> names are the same. Um, yeah. So. Again, like thinking about this movie, it, it's just a fun romp of a movie that is deeply offensive to many people of color. Yeah. Um, it's a road movie. Uh, much his, like Rat Race. Much like Rat Race, it is also a road movie that involves several chase scenes. Yeah, he basically is driving to Niagara Falls. To, to stop, stop Chloe's wedding. To stop, correct. Yeah. To stop Chloe's wedding and tell her that he loves her. So he rigs like a bubble that basically... Of his own, like, of his own making, which is right. kind of impressive. So he rigs a bubble that he can take with him, and he runs into, you know... A, a bunch of characters along the way. Yeah, and it just is very... It's it's a lot of different ethnicities that he runs into. It's a lot of ethnic and basically jokes. basically everyone that he runs into along the way, every stereotype is covered. So fun fact about uh, Bubble Boy, eventually, yeah, he stops Chloe from getting married, because, of course, they fucking love each other, and his parents fall in love with Danny Trejo and form a polyamorous bond with Danny Trejo and get on the back of his motorcycle at the end. Yeah. So very peak 2000s romp. It is. It was a. It was a pure romp. Yes. Of a movie. Yeah. And uh, to date, his only comedic role. I. I, uh, I don't know. Uh, Belvet Buzz Buzzsaw. I guess kind of counts. But I guess, but that was like considered a, like yeah. a dark comedy. This is. This is like pure. He's committing this to this pure, comedy. There's a lot of color saturation. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. I feel like his eye, like something I wanted to point out in the disparity in both of these movies, Donnie Darko, he's always very sullen and it almost looks like a different face. Yes. And it's just wild that they were shot within like what, a year of each other? Oh yeah, yeah. They would have um, had to have been because they, they were- he looks like two completely different He does. He looks older in Donnie Darko, mm-hmm. um, even though like, I'm pretty sure like they're supposed to be playing the same age. I think in Bubble Boy, he's supposed to be 18 because I'm pretty sure Chloe graduates from high school and goes- to, like I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. Like, that's, that makes that's sense. a whole thing. How old is so, he in Donnie Darko? I think he's supposed to be like 16. I call bullshit. No 16 year olds are that cool. <laughs> Sound off in the comments. Were you cool? If you're listening to a podcast, you- you're probably not that cool. Were you cool? Doubt it. <laughs> I like how this like episode is just me bullying listeners. <laughs> anyway, let's go to Donnie Darko now. Yes. Um so obviously we're not gonna get into the plot of Donnie Darko. That's it's a fool's a errand. Yeah. What I think Donnie Darko for, I don't know Mm. who doesn't know this, but Donnie Darko does have a director's cut that um, kind of details the plot in a way that some people would argue ruins the ambiguity of the movie. See, that's why I never saw it. Okay. I never saw it for that exact reason. So I'm someone who just like naturally asks a lot of questions (laughs) and ambiguity is fine in certain movies. In this movie, I just like found myself really wanting to know the why. So I remember at at whatever age I was when the director's cut came out, I bought it. Um, And it does answer the questions of, well, how did this happen? How did he time travel? It really does break everything down. So some people would say that that helped the movie. Others would say it hurt it. But something does exist out in the world. If you have any questions about Donnie Darko, there are plenty of oh, yeah, like, mediums that you can, like there's a website, yeah. you can, you something can find your answers. I loved about this, and I, I feel good saying that I love it, is that like when you think about the fact that a man in his early 20s uh, basically just did an exercise in world building that is like not as impressive as like J.R.R. Token or right. like Star Trek or anything, but he put a lot of thought into like the Absolutely. mechanics of this world in a way that, you know, we make fun of it, but I'm like, oh no, you thought about this in a way that doesn't actually seem stupid. Right. You know, it's clear that he put thought into it because that director's cut was just full of things that already existed in the movie that he had cut out, obviously. Mm-hmm. But above all else, um, while... Bubble Boy is a road movie. I would say Donnie Darko is a superhero movie. Yes. Um, yeah. It really is. Like, it's about a guy just saving the world and sacrificing himself in the process. And Jenna Malone, who is like, who plays his love interest, Gretchen, actually does say, like, Donnie Darko, that sounds like a superhero. Exactly. I feel like if it were made now, would either be a graphic novel or a Netflix series. Yeah, I could definitely see this being a Netflix series. Um, maybe a different type of ending if it was a full-on series That'd be very interesting which i mean i'm not saying i would approve of it i think that right. i could see that um so yeah. the, this movie is very divisive and obviously we're allotting like a lot more time to talking about jake gyllenhaal and donnie darko because it's clear that like bubble boy he's having a fun romp he's getting paid for it donnie darko 
there's a lot, like I said, a lot more interiority. Can you really think of any other dark superhero coming of age movies no. with an angsty child set to 80s music? No, and that's why <laughs> like, I think like it was just... so hard for particularly, I think like Americans at this time to conceptualize because there's a lot of this movie that feels very European. Like if this was done by like a German director or a Scandinavian person. And I think it was yeah. received better by overseas audiences yeah. first. Because like it, there was something to this that Americans, you know, like we either got, you know, in teen roles, we either got, you know, an after school special or we got Bubble Boy. Right. You know, like Bubble Boy was obviously like the much more palatable movie. This was like kind of challenging for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people felt deeply uncomfortable about it. So... I think it's probably a good like entree into just like discussing how both of these people interact with the world because we've kind of been talking about that. Yeah, so I they are so wildly different in such wildly different roles and it's it's insane to me that like the way that they relate with their worlds like a troubled brunette teen and you know in a self-contained world Jimmy in a literal bubble and Donnie in a, a tangent timeline. Um but yeah, like First of all, just to reiterate, Bubble Boy, he plays a young man named Jimmy. Donnie Darko, he obviously plays Donnie. They have a lot of ease because that's how you tell their teenagers. Uh, they could not be like any more different as people. Jimmy does not seem depressed or even inhibited by the fact that he's raised in a plastic bubble for the first 18 years of his life. He has this like really, really rich, like vivid imagination. Uh, he plays guitar and loves Land of the Lost. I mean, I guess you could argue that Donnie Darko <clears throat> has a vivid imagination as well. Um, oh, not yeah. that I, not that I interpreted it as that, like this is all in his mind uh, or yeah. any of that. Um, but there are other interpretations out there of like it's all in his mind. He, you know, his therapist yeah. is right. That sort of thing. Yeah, and uh, Donnie, I don't. Okay, we at the beginning we don't really get any kind of like insight into like what his actual clinical diagnoses are like he very clearly has something going on because his mother asks him played by the iconic mary mcdonald if you know Battlestar galactica asks him like point blank if he's off his meds right. and he kind of like is just like you're a bitch whatever and then right. um yeah so he clearly already has some pre-existing like mental and emotional health issues this just american teen who going into the 2000s was just very ubiquitous in terms of just like He's a fucking asshole to his parents. He's horrible to his parents. Oh We're my just God. trying to help him. Yeah, like, and this is like his very, very privileged upper middle class upbringing. And, but he's so stylized and like, there's something very appealing in the way that he's tortured. Which is, it's funny because Jake Gyllenhaal has said that when he read the plot of Donnie Darko, one, he didn't understand what, what it was talking about. That's okay. No one did. But he also, but he also said that he really related to Donnie, which is funny because he came from, as we discussed earlier, a yeah. very privileged upbringing. So the yeah. fact that he can like relate to this teen who's kind of an asshole. I think that's probably why a lot of adults our age now are probably like disavowing their love of Donnie Darko because yeah. it's not, you know, you watched it again this week, this yesterday, I think. Yeah. And yeah, like he's a horrible shitbag to his He's horrible. Parents. And like he's yeah. just everything he says is like very pseudo. What's the word I'm looking for? It's believable, I guess. You could have a conversation with this person. But right. just the way he says it is very much like he's a pseudo intellectual. Like he's trying he really yeah. hard. He needs you to know that he read Grand right. Green's The Destroyer. Right. It's <laughs> but just... in a way that like Oh, it's, God. it's a little grating. It is a little grating. And I'm like, thank God I'm not a fucking teacher. I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> um, yeah, so Donnie, he's very troubled. And, you know, clearly um, the conceit of this movie is that he has, I wrote the time down, what is it? Six, uh, uh, 28 days, six hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds to save the world. What are you telling me that you didn't remember that time off the top of your head? 525,600 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> Oh, that'd be wild if they did a mashup like that. Anyway, um, yeah, so he ha he's woken up one night by a horrifying uh, man in a bunny suit named Frank. And it's, you know, he's got 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds to save the world. So it takes place over the course of 28 days in October of 1988. Uh, so also this is a period movie. Um, and it is also filmed within 28 days, which I thought was just a, that's a fun little grace note. I also loved, I feel like Jenna Malone was kind of like the indie 
darling too. She's like, fascinating. Saved, yeah. Like all of that. She, she was, was so really... fascinating. So I think like, you know, when Hollywood gets like this rare, you know, not really rare, but just like a white brunette who has mystique. <laughs> yeah, that's um, not rare. I was just, I was, I just caught myself. I was like, wait, what the I fuck? would say like, of not like, she's not your typical, especially for this time period. We, mm-hmm. we were talking about how the leading lady in Bubble Boy is like an all-American blonde. Um, is that Anna Ferris? It's not Anna Ferris. It's um, Heather... Heather um, Graham? Heather Graham, yeah. It's Heather Graham. So, yeah, so Jenna Malone is kind of the the anti-Heather Graham. She's, yeah. she's very... She's pretty, but she is... There's not a lot of... Like, she's also makeup. willowy, yeah. She's willowy. She kind of, she kind of looks the, like the female Donnie Darko. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think that was very intentional because, yeah. like, they kind of almost immediately... Um, in this scene where Drew Barrymore is an English teacher, apparently. Um, they gave her some great sweaters. I some love Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore and Noah Wiley as teachers. <laughs> that was so fun to watch. Um, so um, Drew Barrymore is like your cool English teacher. She is young. Wait, can we just talk about when, okay, so, so when Gretchen first meets Donnie, she walks into the classroom and and she wants to know where she should sit. <laughs> yeah. And her English teacher says to her, sit next to the boy you think is the cutest. Okay. When would that happen? <laughs> okay, never. And I read that like an interpretation of that, if we're going by the Richard Kelly logic of this movie, yes. <laughs> is that um apparently like that's just a the the world that Donnie now inhabits as like the tangent timeline operates on its own set of logic and obviously that would never happen right but it's like he she needed to have sat next to him for that for the events to transpire i think they're called i think if you watch the director's cut or read any like side right um work of this or like a companion to this right they say that like everyone who is involved with donnie in some way shape or form is either called i'm the living or the dead manipulated yes yeah so that does make sense that they are like they're all the manipulated dead yeah like if she never sat next to donnie then like none of this would have happened the universe breaks or whatever this movie again it's a movie (laughs) that fucks with space time Bubble Boy does not. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, like as we just mentioned, and if you haven't been able to discern any of that, that's fine. No one has. Apparently, according to IMDb, Jake Gyllenhaal and Seth Rogen were at the rap party, and neither of them knew what they had just filmed. What the, which is wild <laughs> to me that they just, you know, because apparently, conceivably, you're reading for this role, you're doing the table reads, you're doing rehearsal, you're going through all of these motions of making a film. And the entire time you're just like, uh, head empty. M pretty boy. Kiss me, Jenna Malone. <laughs> <sighs> Something I wanted to just like bring up is just like obviously how these characters approach like romance and sexuality, because these are ostensibly romance. There are romantic elements in both of these. Jim, uh, Jimmy as bu- in Bubble Boy. Mm-hmm. His whole impetus is he has to stop Chloe's wedding. She is his one true love. It is a very clear. When he has never met another woman. I know, in that's his wild life, to me. Aside from his mother. Also, does not know how to handle erections. <laughs> yeah, there is a scene in Bubble Boy, for those of you who have not seen it, uh-huh. where um, he gets his first erection. Guess, yeah, I guess it's his first erection yeah. while he's like sleeping. Uh-huh. And he wakes up and. Tries to punch it. And which he tries is so to funny. Punch it, and then that is. Um, that's the first no-no. Yeah, obviously so it doesn't he calls, work. he calls his mother, mother. To, to basically tell him what is happening to him because living in a bubble and his mother basically reinforcing that bubble, she mm-hmm. has never told him about, like, puberty. And, oh, yeah, no. He's uh, fully a virgin throughout this entire movie. And so basically she still won't tell him what is happening. She just tells him that it will go away by reciting... The Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance. And he pledges. And it, I mean, it works. I guess. I was like, I tried it once. <laughs> Did work. Like, it does distract you. It's like the hiccups. Anyway. But yeah, so we clearly get this picture of, you know, Jimmy. He is such an asexual being. Yes. That it is wild. And then and then you have Donnie who... Clearly fucks. Yes. Well, there's a quote that he says when he's with his friends where they're talking about like the Smurfs and how yes. they're asexual. And yes. he goes... What's the point in living if you don't have a dick? Very biosensualist, but okay, Donnie, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I actually really loved like all of his interactions. I thought his friends were cast perfectly. Yeah. That's like one thing I thought the casting in Donnie Darko was like perfect. Mm-hmm. Like the one bully looks like an '80s bully with a mullet who does cocaine in the hallway. 
Um, yeah. And I think like the other breakout performance of this, I forget her name, but she's the one who plays Kitty Farmer, the other. Oh, she's in everything. She's in everything. And she's also like an icon and is so perfect at playing like a Karen mom. And this is before we had the term Karen, but she essentially plays a Karen. Her up now. Um, Beth Grant. Oh, yeah. So her and Susie Kurtz, who plays Jimmy's mother in Bubble Boy, I think are both just such good like camp icon. Like they've both been in a lot of gay movies. Yes. She I don't I think when I watched Donnie Darko for the first time, because I did I was a big bubble boy fan. Mm -hmm. I think they were I thought at the time they were played by the same woman. They look kind of similar. Yeah. And I mean like both of them have insane wigs in both of these movies. Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> Rebecca is scrolling her IMDB and it is like you're scrolling so much. It seems like a lot of small bit roles. Yeah, it's a ton of bit roles. That's the career because... I want. There's like steady work. You recognize her with the moment you see her. Uh, yeah. Donnie Darko fucking hates her because she's also like his health class teacher. Yeah, she's like the. I don't. I guess she is like the the health PE yeah. teacher or something. She's always in like a tracksuit. Yes, yeah, time. that's actually very 1980s of them. Is that Beth Grant is like always in like a nylon tracksuit and uh, has like an updo. Uh, and she is like kind of in a cult led by Patrick Swayze. I think it's like a self-help kind of, he's like a very like Tony <laughs> Robbins character where like, he's like a motivational figure. Um, but the thing is, what is wild to me that like, so the self-contained timeline of Donnie Darko is when he's revealed to be a pedophile, but Correct. in the prime timeline, that's never revealed, unfortunately. So, well, what's funny about this is, so I did do some digging. Mm, yes, dig. One, if you look at, like, the Donnie Darko website, they they posted, like, a fake newspaper clipping that basically said that he killed himself 10 days after Donnie Darko's death. I didn't see that. Yeah, um, so he killed himself, and then they said, like, his home had been cleared out. So basically no one finds out that he was into child pornography. And when I was also, like, reading into this, they basically said that it doesn't matter whether or not he gets... Um, basically the only reason why he should have gotten found out is because Kitty Farmer then heads his like defense. Yes. Like, yeah. That's mentioned fan group. And if she never headed his defense fan group, then Donnie Darko's mother would have never needed to go on the sparkle motion trip. True. So it is like a whole domino effect. So the only reason why Jim Cunningham was discovered is what's is to, to make this yeah. be one of the manipulated in this in this whole plot that's line. a brilliant way of just bullshitting your way through a narrative economy <laughs> that is i agree just I agree, to that, that is... i'm just like well i needed it to happen to make my fake world happen god um and meanwhile jimmy's experience with cults is i a kind of analogous um so what do we know about bright and shiny the cult that has like at least for a brief period of time taken on jimmy as just like a like a passerby on the side of the road. They have a song um, uh, that we both sang to each other unprompted one day. I need <laughs> you to understand that. That's uh, how much it lives in in our minds and in the, in the back of it, far back. We're gonna splice it in here, and you can just like can experience listen. it yourself. Anyway. Yeah, so they find him wandering on his quest mm -hmm. and take him onto the bus, onto their big yellow bright and shiny bus. Yes. It is revealed that this cult is headed by Fabio mm -hmm. and it's very like Jim Jonesy, Heaven's Gate. -y. Yeah, like completely influenced, yeah, directly by Heaven's Gate. <laughs> it's just, it's, they have Jimmy's vibes, uh -huh. but not, their beliefs are not. It, they believe that they're going to be, trans <laughs> like very, very, I think it is like a direct correlation with Heaven's Gate because like they believe that like they will transcend this realm to get onto some random planet somewhere, which is exactly what Heaven's Gate like thought they were doing i think it was a meteor in that case but right. either way um i think like for jimmy i think it's interesting to note that like both jimmy and donnie kind of call bullshit on the cult experience jimmy does it much more nicely he's just like oh you're a cult and they don't take nicely to that versus donnie who's basically just like you're the fucking antichrist yeah when he's uh talking to jim cunningham yeah yeah so they i guess in while they are two completely different characters they are able to call out bullshit yes. um <laughs> 
<laughs> almost with finesse. Kind, kind of, yeah. <laughs> like, I, it doesn't work out well for either of them. <laughs> like, no. Yeah, they basically, um, when Jimmy questions them, yeah. he they kick him off the bus. Mm -hmm. And then they look at their, I guess, scripture. Yeah, what is their scripture? And it's a man in a bubble that is supposed to come and save them. So, so as Jimmy is continuing on his quest, they are now hot on his heels, yeah. because they think that they have just thrown their messiah out of, out of their, their bus, bus <laughs> because he questioned their weird song <laughs> um and, and i don't know i it, like there there's a little bit of a correlation here on a one-to-one -one level with like bright and shiny to jim cunningham like are they the closest things we have to villains in either of these um so i would say that with bright and shiny while they are a hindrance for jimmy i would say that they're more of um or i would say the villain in bubble boy is more of actually his mother his mom is like, you know, she mm -hmm. is the one who keeps him from going outside. Yeah. She she wants him close to her at all times mm -hmm. um, where, you know, it is revealed that he is actually not immunocompromised. Right. She just like wanted him <laughs> with her. So, you know, she's a villain in and of herself. Um, Jim Cunningham is a villain. We don't really have a villain in Donnie Darko. I guess he's kind of the de facto villain. I mean, I guess, well, the, the villain is, is time, is time <laughs> and how everything's going to collapse in on itself. Sure. He is, like, definitely not a good person. And we kind of touched on this before, like, just both family dynamics, I think, in here mm -hmm. are just beautiful. Uh, the, the casting of the parents in both, I think, was perfect. In Bubble Boy, John Carroll Lynch of now American Horror Story fame, and Swoosie Kurtz of just many, many gay movies yes. playing religious zealot. Well, Swoosie Kurtz is more of like the religious one and John Carroll Lynch apparently was not supposed to have any lines, which also, is, like, I think this is the only similarity is that, like, Swoosie Kurtz and John Carroll Lynch are very analogous with the Mary McDonnell and Raz Rose Darko and uh, Holmes Osborne as Eddie Darko because, again, husband and wife, wherein the wife has all of the worries and the husband just kind of laughs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we know that, like, obviously their mothers are nothing alike, even though the dynamics between the parents are very similar. But, like, there is definitely more of a direct correlation between the Susie Kurtz as Jimmy's mom character and Beth Grant as Kitty Farmer as people. Like, they are both very much, like, of a very, like, Reagan conservative type mindset. Yeah, they're... They're very conservative. They're yeah. also both like religious zealots. Mm -hmm. While we get, you know, Beth Grant's character of as Kitty Farmer basically following Jim Cunningham around, yeah. and that's kind of her. And I mean, she is she is very religious too. But Jim Cunningham is kind of like her god. Yeah. Um, I would say that like Jimmy's mother has those same characteristics, but she is actually of her whole motivation is Christianity. Yeah. So they they both fall under the same like wheelhouse. I think because we don't really get much conflict between Susie Kurtz and Jimmy until like the very end versus like Donnie and Kitty Farmer. He tells her to like shove a card up her ass. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> so like it's obviously like, he just does not like this lady in a tracksuit either. And I also feel like while while it's very clear that Donnie hates Kitty Farmer, mm -hmm. Jimmy does love his mother. Yeah. Like that is, and that is also like a point of contention for him because he doesn't, you know, he doesn't find out that his mother has been lying to him until the end. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just really seems to struggle with like, le like he wants to go after the love of his life, but at the same time, occasionally throughout this journey, his mother catches up to him mm -hmm. and you can tell that it does pain him to like keep going and yeah. ignore his mother. And you know, his dad is there just kind of like as moral support, I guess, for his spouse, but you can tell that he doesn't agree with him. No, no. And I think like, yeah, like to that point, yeah, like both of the dads in this weirdly enough like are kind of supportive but also like of this time you don't get anything of them in a relationship with their sons right um so yeah it's they all exist i would say in the same like plane of like you know character mm -hmm. trope but they uh, outwardly they are they are slightly different this was actually like really perfect sibling chemistry in donnie darko one of the first scenes you see of them is 
they have like a fight at the dinner table when he tells Elizabeth the iconic line, well, Elizabeth, why don't you go suck a fuck? (laughs) And then their like youngest sister is sitting at the table and she has to do like earmuff. But that, um, but that actress, she was the girl in the ring. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Davey? DeVay? I thought it was DeVay. Yeah, DeVay Chase. Anyway. Hit us up. Tell, tell us how your name's pronounced. <laughs> Sound off in the comments. <laughs> Let's talk about how these movies and these characters relate to people of color in both of these worlds. Oh, God, that's sigh. I know. So do you want to take Bubble Boy or Don Jarko first? Oh, God. I really want to say neither. <laughs> um... I guess we can do Don Eater. Let's get it out of the way. There's literally only one person to call her. It's Charita Chen. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. I loved her. And literally, as the only Asian representation in this movie, (laughs) everyone fucking hates Charita except for Donnie. But what is, like, the point of her? Like, I feel like they looked at their... They looked at the roster of Mm -hmm. cast members, and they were like, oh, we don't have any minorities. I guess we need to she, put one in. She looks like someone who was just hanging out on set and was just like, <laughs> hey, can you like come over here? We need we need you first. All you got to say is shut up. <laughs> Not even how like a Chinese person would say that if but, they had an accent. So I don't know what the point of shut up is. But I don't know. It, I, I think we're only meant to see that like this like slightly overweight Asian girl is in love with Donnie because she does the thing where she just writes Mrs. Darko on all of her notebooks. Is it Mrs. Darko? It's just Donnie Darko. I don't, I think she just writes Donnie Darko. (laughs) If she wrote Mrs. Mrs. Darko, Donnie's mom, she's got a real crush on, um, not Rose McGowan, Rose McDonald. (laughs) Um, I would love that edit of this movie, but no, like I think her only role in this, in this film is to serve as just like a pure soul that Donnie's, because Donnie's the only person who doesn't bully her. Right, right. And he tells, like, the other bullies to leave her alone. So I get I get why, like, someone who's bullied would have a crush on someone who stands up for them. Yeah. But, like, I just don't understand the point of putting a minority in the movie and also depicting her as, like, just an overweight, so... very limited in her yeah. English. Kind of, but not really. I don't know. It's It's very difficult to place, like, what her what her general point is and just like you could take out literally all of the scenes with Charita and the movie would still be exactly the it same it would be exactly the same um although the one thing i would say is that like at least she's not a racial caricature unlike well i mean the <laughs> fact that she can't like they they make her oh yeah like, do the weird opera well that i wasn't saying is the racial caricature but like shut up in general i think i don't even know that's what i'm saying is like i don't even know where shut up comes from because <laughs> i've never heard an asian person say that ever <laughs> I think that's something they just made up for this because they don't know any actual Asian people. Oh, well, there's no, um, I would say that it, I guess it's a better than how oh. Bubble Boy oh, represents. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, at least she's not like Push Pop, the only Indian person we meet in this movie who, instead of an ice cream truck, drives a curry truck, which actually sounds amazing. <laughs> and then they hit a cow. And, and he, he... He, he, like, beside himself. <laughs> We're like in Bubble Boy. Every person of color introduced is basically like, like contrast Charita Chen to Poontang and Poonani <laughs> as depictions of Asian people in cinema for a second. And weirdly enough, Charita is the nuanced one here. And we can't forget about $500. <laughs> and it's basically like, there's literally no, nothing we need to know here other than Donnie, or sorry, Jimmy needs, <laughs> again. again, Jimmy needs $500. So he does like it's like a mud wrestling competition i think it's like he's trying to get a ride it's like he's in the last leg yes. of his journey so of course in the last leg of your journey you have to shoehorn in some more just ethnic like jokes. yeah you yeah you really do <laughs> so oh right it's pippy so he needs 500 500 paper pippy the old man cab driver i guess yes so to drive him to tonight. niagara falls <laughs> Um, and, you know, lo and behold, directly behind him is like a mud wrestling match in a With, bar. And the reward is $500, right. or should we say $500. <laughs> um, so he goes in, and the MC is, we don't even know his name, it's just a loud, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a loud Chinese man, Yeah. who in a moment of like comedic heightening is like, you want $500? And then Jimmy responds like, like "Yes, I want five hundred dollars." Yeah. And then um, the MC asks him again, "You want? Fi- See, I feel terrible saying it like this, but you want five hundred dollars." And then Jimmy changes it and repeats exactly in as his it. accent right. as like, "You want five hundred? I want five 
want five hundred dollars. And then they just keep shouting five hundred dollar at each other, and that's the joke. That's yeah. it. And, and that's literally it. And they just go back and forth and say that. And so that is 100% a racial stereotype. Oh, yeah. And then we get those guys. Actually, no, we get that guy and then just like an anonymous group of Asian men. Yeah, they double down on that joke. Oh, but when he hands him a red envelope and. Yeah, he says like, like this envelope is for your honeymoon. Right. It's 500 $500. It's $500. And then they just, they again shout $500 back and forth at each other. So they, you know, just really take that joke and... God, shut up. Oh, God. (laughs) I can't, I cannot even begin to list the amount of ethnic jokes. It's all ethnic, It is all over the place. It is definitely something that you could not do today. No. Um, And then, I mean, in in rounding it out in terms of just, like, ethnic humor, you have, like, Danny Trejo doing, like, a classic Danny Trejo, like, Mexican gangster biker character. He seems to be having a good time, though. Um, but there is the other, like the other part of Bubble Boy where I guess it's after Jimmy goes missing and they're trying, I I guess they're trying to get people to take them seriously, like that their son is missing. Mm -hmm. Um, even though, you know, they know why, like he left, they know he left of his own accord. Mm -hmm. Um, but they create a ransom note. Oh, that's right. Um, and they sign it, the Jews. The signed the Jews. Because the ransom note is requesting money. So that's, you know. That's, yeah, that's a joke you can't make. That you shouldn't have been able to make in 2001. No, and yet they did. Oh, okay. So I, yeah, this whole movie is just chock full of stereotypes where, um, whereas at least Donnie Darko, there's maybe one. But again, we can't really figure out. There's a hint of a character with (laughs) Charita. (laughs) Shut up. And her, like, her, there's a lot of, like, chuss out. I was like, this is, like, a comedy beat where, like, her name is Charita Chen, and the only thing she says is shut up, and she wears earmuffs for literally no reason. But, like we said, Bubble Boy, there is just... Kuntan a- Kunani and Push Pop and Danny Trejo <laughs> and the, the anonymous Jews in his ransom note. Oh, and $500 Man, whose name we are never given. <sighs> oh, God. So, I think we should also just... Briefly discuss um other issues of representation. Yeah, in yeah. Boy. yeah. Um, when Jimmy finds the uh quote unquote traveling circus freaks. Yes. You know, one that's not exactly the best terminology uh, to use. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he ends up meeting this group of people, and much like the the cult. They really want him to join them. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of clashing between these quote unquote freaks Mm -hmm. and um, the cult. So that, Mm -hmm. and I did, you know, touch on that a little bit earlier uh, with the scene with them fighting and the offspring playing in the background. But yeah, so I just feel like, you know, not great representation. No, and (laughs) it's worth noting, I think like a few of these people would also like reprise similar roles in like American Horror Story Freak Show. Yes. Uh, except for Vern Troyer, R.I.P. Vern Troyer. Yes. Oh my God, I forgot Vern Troyer was in there. He's a uh, he's he also kind of villain. He's also kind of an asshole in this. Yeah, that's true. He like runs the circus and um, clearly just really wants Jimmy to be part of. Yeah, part this of his group. quote unquote freak show as a bubble boy, which um, I don't really a kind of a leap as to just like how that's quote unquote a freak. He's yeah. just a compromise, but like okay. Yeah, um, but you know they they're all obviously nice people so i guess that's the yeah, aside from Vern Troyer yeah. who's like the the He's villain a tiny asshole. yeah <laughs> um so i guess that that level of it is fine ish because it's like they're showing that just because you have you look different on the outside mm-hmm. you could be like a very nice person on oh, the inside yeah, no. but they th- that is not they could have gone about it in a much different yes, way. Yes, <laughs> they could have. They could have made that point more elegantly, but I feel like they're they needed the visual humor of the quote unquote freaks battling a cult of virgins. Yeah, you know, again, could have done without a lot of the scenes in this movie, mm-hmm. um, but two thousand one. So yeah. Important question. Yes. Who would we have a crush on, Jimmy or Donnie? Jimmy does seem just have like unconditional love and just like a good 
human being. Yeah, Jimmy just has like good vibes. Yes, whereas Donnie just seems like exhausting to hang out with. Also, something I would like to note is the fact that like Donnie Darko ostensibly has no actual problems. He just has like a lot of undiagnosed, is like a lot of mental health issues, which are valid, but like very privileged young white man who is very shitty to his mother. Yeah, it just doesn't <laughs> seem like he likes to hear the word no. No. Like, he'll take it. He'll take the no, but he'll take it with like a grimace. He'll wind up, he'll have a tantrum. <laughs> he'll have a tantrum about it and try to masturbate in front of his therapist again. Yeah, that was the other thing. He was just a very horny boy. Which, yeah. I mean, I guess most teens are horny, but he was just- He was horny and angry. <laughs> he was horny, angry, and sad. He was try just trying so to save I the just, world. Like, I don't know, but yeah. back in the day, like I had crushes on both of them. I don't know. I think I would crushes. have to go this, I would have to do the same, um, leaning towards Donnie. I, I hate myself for that. I was, well, I thought about this last night, but Donnie just seems like the kind of person that you would go over to his house and he would just make you listen to like Smith's records. He, and he had, he had just gotten into the Smiths and, but had, but had been acting like he'd been listening to them since conceivably since he was 12. It's a teen who's already come to the party having read the bell jar. Yes. And they need you to know about it. That's, that's the energy that I get that from is, him. So it's, it's hard for me as an adult woman to say which one, but Thinking, really putting myself back as like 15 year old me, I like truly did thirst for Donnie. Mm -hmm. But there was also a time in my life where I thought like Jimmy was. Fuck Mary Kill. Fuck Mary Kill. Well, there's only two. I know. I can't name a third date Jake Jill. Prince of Persia? I never watched. I never did either, but I came grasping for a third Jake Jill in all role. But that's funny that you chose that movie out of all the movies you could have chosen. Because he's so hot in the poster. So, another question for you. Yes. One of several. <laughs> Who would win in a fight? I would have to say Jimmy. I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, Jimmy in bubble, I think, Jimmy, would win. Yeah, yeah. Because how would Donnie get, I mean, maybe he could use some of his, like, his telepathic powers and do something. I but at the end of the day. just fucking shoot him. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess Donnie does have a gun. Which <laughs> does gun be bubble? Donnie has a gun. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, you imagine the two of them fighting and then Donnie's just like, Fuck you, just pulls out a gun and kills him. Yeah, I guess, okay, so I guess I need to change my answer and <laughs> say Donnie. I mean, okay, so like, gun notwithstanding, if they had to mud wrestle each other, as uh, happens in Bubble Boy, because <laughs> you can't get leverage, like, as we learned when Jimmy has to mud wrestle someone. Like, yes. You can't get a handle on him because he's in a bubble. So, yeah, I would say, um, yeah, I guess I Still would say Jimmy, Jimmy then. Still, yeah. Uh, Sans bubble. I guess Donnie, yeah. but I would say Jimmy more often than not. Who should be canceled <laughs> by like, if we had to just like cancel one of them? Uh, Donnie. Yeah, that's pretty true. <laughs> Hands down. Uh, he just, I mean, he already kind of cancels himself in the movie by that's true. dying and yeah. sacrificing himself. But at the end of the day, I'd much rather just like, Jimmy just is a much nicer human being. Yeah. So. And like we we may have touched on the fact that like Donnie clearly fucks. How would Jimmy fuck in the bubble? Like use okay, okay. So I'm gonna give you a whole thing, yes, and then okay. you can tell me how you think he would fuck in the bubble. <laughs> so I feel like okay, there's a couple of options, a couple of avenues. So you know he has like a little pouch that mm. flips open that he uses to sterilize anything that he brings into the bubble with him. He sure does. But like maybe he could just like sterilize the human being and like <laughs> like the Stick girl his dick through the hole like through the pouch well i mean he could just sterilize the girl yeah that he's trying to fuck and then bring her into the bubble with him or maybe they could just like put their bits in the, the pouch in the pouch um jesus <laughs> How do you think? I mean, I can't think of any other way. I think like the only other way he'd have to do it is if like if he like made like a condom attachment for the bubble. I guess that's more logical. <laughs> yeah, like if he had like a separate, you know, like a port, like a porthole for yeah. just a condom. Yeah, I guess you're right. Erections that he can't get rid of using the um, Pledge of Allegiance. Okay, so yours makes more sense. Than mine. I love the idea of the pouch though. I love the idea of them trying to jam their bits into the one pouch. <laughs> I know anatomy. I know. I, I mean, it's not a matter of anatomy. It's a matter of like trying to fuck through like a pocket, kind of. Uh, these are two, I think, very easily identifiable young male protagonist roles of the time. Is that correct? Probably Donnie Darko much more so than Bubble Boy. 
I feel like it was more identifiable because it was a everyone could see themselves somehow in Donnie Darko. I mean, whether or not we forced ourselves to feel that way or whether or not we genuinely could identify is yeah. kind of up in the air. But I don't think anybody that watched Bubble Boy looked at... That as like a realistic Jimmy interpretation of a teen. Yeah. Yes. No one looked at Jimmy and thought like, this is how teens are. Donnie Darko... That would be wild to me if that's, people, <laughs> that's what someone out there thought that that's what a teenager acts like. Like um, a big baby virgin in a bubble. <laughs> well, that might be what adults of the time thought that children and teens were. Honestly, kind of. They, <laughs> or no. Yeah. I feel like adults at this time either thought that teens were were big horny babies in bubbles or like Donnie Darko, they thought they were fucking little serial killers who were just like gonna like bend time and murder people or something. Yeah. Like, um, and with Bubble Boy, we get the trope of like dumb, good-natured teen. You know, we didn't have the term himbo, but that's essentially what this is. Yeah, Jimmy kind of qualifies as like a himbo because he's good-natured. Yeah. But, like, he has like head empty. But I, it's also like head empty because you know he was under his mother's rule yeah. essentially for the first eighteen years of his life and wasn't really educated in any way shape or form other than what his mother chose to teach him so yeah we do we do get that good natured teen in bubble boy um i i mean he is like you said a himbo but he's not like your buff himbo no he's He's very scrawny and looks like he has bags under his eyes because he's been indoors for his entire life which is wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's a premise. Um, so he does he does fall under this trope, but he almost like veers like a hard left mm. in appearance. <laughs> no, yeah, like he only has good intentions, whereas Donnie intentions are unclear. I mean, his intention. I think Donnie's intentions are to fuck and save the world. <laughs> and that is <laughs> the Chad Donnie versus the Virgin, literal Virgin Jimmy. <sighs> so a tete a tete. Is it? No. <laughs> um, I feel like Donnie kind of encapsulates again, like this kind of like very stylized version of like a complicated teen for teens who did, were not complicated, a la. Uh, us basically because <laughs> we're making a podcast about it 20 years after the fact we were not complicated teenagers no in fact we were probably more like like jimmy than we were exactly jimmy. jimmy except without the bubble and the not having met any other human aside from our mother's part yeah i mean but not far off not far <laughs> not far off um we definitely didn't have as cool of a teen experience as donnie did even though he got crushed by a time traveling airplane part um got you there donnie yeah, fuck <laughs> off donnie never got to go to like a teen party where they played you know depeche mode no we were going to parties that were more playing the soundtrack to bubble boy so i didn't even go to parties i oh like, okay <laughs> i didn't even get to go to parties in high school what a loser i know like <laughs> couldn't fuck couldn't live in a bubble couldn't time travel why are you even like what's the point in living what's the point? if you can't live in a bubble to podcast i guess <laughs> that's it okay um yeah, yeah so that's it that was donnie darko and, and bubble, bubble boy. boy as told through the lens of a big like just big baby-eyed man jake gyllenhaal we love you <laughs> Call us if you hear it. Yeah, podcast. yeah, call us. We're you gotta find our numbers. I'm sure like Hollywood has a special way for you to do that. Um, I'm sure you have like a private eye team that you could hire to get in touch with us. We'll be waiting to hear from you. <laughs> we'll be waiting. We'll have you on our next podcast. <laughs> XOXO. Um, give us feedback on this, our second episode. Uh Coming up, we're probably gonna be discussing some Disney Channel original movies. Yes, we really we realize Disney Plus has pretty much everything. 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 So um, we really want to dig back into that. So hopefully that resonates with you guys because we're doing it. So, so um, buckle up. Yeah, buckle up, Mouseketeers. Please don't sue us, Disney. <laughs> I did not mean to say Mouseketeers. <laughs> okay, um, bye. Bye. Get fucked.